Hey, folks, Tom and Keith just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to listen to The Front Row and listen to our podcast. Very much so. Uh, we appreciate uh, all the downloads and the uploads and the sideloads and all the other stuff you're doing. Exactly. That's uh, Mr. Technology over there, Keith Jones. I do want to let you know that uh, you're able to listen to this podcast commercial-free. Thanks to uh, the good folks at Seminole Boosters and uh, specifically the Dunlap Champions Club. You're familiar with the, the Dunlap Champions Club because it opened last year. Uh, I have been in it plenty of times, uh, not on game day because I have other duties uh, as assigned, if you will, on game day. But if you've been there, you can you can uh, share. Obviously, it's a terrific facility. And if you haven't been there, you've got an opportunity to, for the spring game. 50 bucks, get you a seat in the Champions Club, Dunlap Champions Club. It'll get you all the soft drinks and food you can eat. You'll get an opportunity to see if it's something you want to maybe invest in as in the regular season comes but a, a neat little deal that boosters are doing for the spring game exactly right so take advantage you can visit seminoles.com backslash tickets or call 850-583-9066 line one to buy your tickets to the spring game and schedule a private tour now without further ado this week's front row broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is the front row with tom block and keith jones brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu here's tom and keith Football is back in the air. Spring football game Saturday for Florida State. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you on the front row. KJ, we get to talk a little pigskin since we've neglected it basically since the week after the Orange Bowl. And one of the things that we haven't talked about is in the big picture scheme of things. With the implementation of the 20-hour rule six years ago, seven years ago, with the implementation of some of the other time-off things that are going into effect now, has spring football become more important? Or is it less important in the grand scheme of things? Well, coaches are always going to want an opportunity to coach their players, so I don't think they're going to tell you it's less important. I do think it's a little disjointed. You brought up an interesting point last week that when you played, spring football was in May, so guys could have surgery, clean up in January, and be available in March. That doesn't happen now, and the reason it doesn't happen, I didn't ask, but I'm sure it's because May is when the coaches are on the road evaluating high school prospects, and thus, years ago, the calendar moved up. Well, it also was disjointed this year because FSU spring break was in the middle of FSU spring football practice, which is the way it used to be done under Coach Bowden, but a little odd that that would be the, the chosen uh, method this year. And to be fair, before I get the 37 emails I'll get, we were on the quarter system back then. So we were in school all the way through to the, about the second week of June. School was out under the semester system the fir- first week of May. So if you went into May, you would be asking kids to give up actual free time over the summer uh, to uh, engage in spring sp- uh, sports or spring uh, spring practice, rather. So uh, it's kind of a rhetorical question. It's always important as you mentioned and and appropriately answered, when coaches can be on the field giving advice and counsel to players. That said, Florida State has been bit hard by the injury bug. I mean, if if it was pickup basketball, you'd be playing four-on-four. I mean, it feels like it's that kind of magnitude. And on top of it, you don't have all the freshmen in yet. Now you do and you, get, and you don't have walk-ons. Remember the walk-ons. Right. So the, your the time frame for walk-ons is in the is in the fall. So it's it's much more limited. Uh, you'd like to think though that particularly for the newcomers, and there are seven freshmen who came in, six or seven, whatever the number was. I think it was seven. 
uh, at the semester break as true freshmen, and clearly they get a head start, so that's an advantage. But other guys who haven't played as much, hopefully things uh, the game is slowing down and it's making more sense to them. How about this, something we didn't talk about last week but has been brought up in the past by Jimbo and others, particularly the kids from the northern part of the country, they don't have spring football. So for some kids from Virginia or Ohio or if you had them from Minnesota, Michigan, maybe even California, I'm not sure about California, but uh, for those kids coming in, this is the first time they've ever put on pads in the spring. That spring football doesn't exist uh, in all of the uh, parts of the country. Well, think about the number of reps that are lost by not having that, if you will. No question. Times senior year, junior year, sophomore Mm -hmm. year, freshman year, sort of like a baseball player that is not getting enough – at bats, which we can talk, we'll talk about Drew Mendoza a little bit later on because he is back and playing and he's struggling at the plate as you'd expect right now because he simply missed fall practice, missed spring practice, and the only way he's getting reps is to say, go in and face live pitching. You don't know this because you're not, well, you may know the answer, but you don't experientially know this, but what's the number one thing that leaves you in the game of golf when you don't play golf? Chip it and putting. What's the number one thing leaves you in baseball if you don't get at-bats? Putting the bat on the ball. I was going to say timing. In terms of golf, if you never had said skill, can it leave you? Uh, because only, that would be if, where my, only if you're in the woods when the tree falls down and there's no one there to hear it. Right, because that would be the state of my golf game, which is dormant, non-existent, never was. By the way, did you know that Probably uh, wild bears chip in the woods? I really don't want to know the punchline to this. That's a that's a that's a Lewis um, uh, last name just left me, but the writer is now deceased for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Lewis Gerard Gerard, I believe his name. Grizzard, thank you. <laughs> that was the name of his one of the books. Did you know that wild bears chip in the woods? Okay. We are off the rails once again. Coming up on the show today, we've got a good show for you. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us next segment. We will actually talk football because we have not done that too much uh, during spring practice. Probably for some of the reasons we just mentioned, which is it's spring practice. It's not that interesting. But also because we were talking basketball and other things, uh, we will discuss more college basketball, react to the foul fest, whistle fest that was oh, wait a minute. the I national championship throws. game. Hang on. Hang on. Got to shoot free throws. Exactly. Uh, and figure out uh, – we'll actually offer a potential sol- – I don't know if it's a solution, but we'll kick some ideas around. And you may not have seen this unless you're diehard college baseball or you're on social media. But Or you hate the Gators. Or that. Florida uh, – was losing 10-1 last night to Stetson in the fifth inning. And the rain started, and now granted, we're getting one side of the story, which is the Stetson side. It doesn't seem like they were too accommodating or willing to wait out said rain to actually finish the game and make it official because it was in the fifth inning. Game canceled. The 10-1 lead never happened. None of the stats count. The game will not be replayed. Not, Not rescheduled, not continued, not rescheduled. Didn't happen. It was a figment. Of our imagination. Yes, but there is a, everything on social media lives on in perpetuity. So there are tweets that document what happened. Tim Linnefelt will come on. We won't ask him about rain delays, but we will ask him about some of the players that are making some noise uh, in a good way on the practice field, including one Cam Akers. We'll have that discussion with our Seminoles.com insider. And we continue right here on the front row.
The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. By default, this has become the walk-up music for Tim Linnefeld, who will join us here in a minute. I mean, Walk-up th- or stagger-up? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I do need to mention, uh, before we say hello to Tim, uh, thanks to the folks at Centrale, as uh, always, been talking about uh, 11 items on their lunch menu for 11 bucks. Uh, they also now uh, want you to be aware that lunch catering is available for groups of 10 to 40, a uh, variety of food options, pricing options, delivery complimentary within a five-mile radius which that would include me, so that, that may be uh, in my future. Anyway, go visit the folks at Centrale, Madison Social, Township. Duly noted if you invite me to lunch. And we probably could eat for 10 to 40, even if it's just the two of us. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, will join us now via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. We have talked lots of basketball, men's and women's. We've talked some baseball. We've talked softball. We have not really talked football since the Orange Bowl in terms of a, at least uh, a lengthy conversation. So I checked the calendar and I saw that the Garnet and Gold Spring football game is this Saturday at 3 and it seemed like this would be a logical time to have a football conversation. What do you think? If not now, then when, you know? First question, are there actually 22 guys that can put on pads so that they can play a spring football game? Or are they going to have to go both ways like we did in high school? <laughs> uh, I think they'll be able to field two full teams. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, like you've seen in the past, maybe they mix and match the offensive lines a little bit. Uh, one, if, you know, for injuries, and then two, also just to kind of get as much continuity in that group as, as possible. But other than that, I, you know, I think that they'll, uh, that they'll, there'll be some opportunities for – for guys, you know, straight walk-ons and people who maybe worked a little bit harder this uh, this spring, got a few more opportunities. They'll get a chance to shine in front of the uh, the, the crowd at the spring game. I think there's, we always see that uh, in the spring game. It's you know, there's a there's a receiver or somebody who makes a play, and everybody's looking down at roster. Who's that guy? But uh, but overall, no, I think they will at least be able to have a garnet team and a gold team. Uh, and, and you know, as far as the injuries go, I mean, I, you know, there are, there are some guys who are who are you know, pretty banged up, but then also. And spring is kind of the time of year where you don't really take any chances with anybody. And, you know, a spring injury isn't always the same as a fall injury. You know what I mean? As far as availability and, and that sort of thing. So I wouldn't be, be hitting the panic button, but it does seem like Florida State has the worst luck uh, with injuries uh, during the spring. Well, I live in a bubble, so I don't pay attention to how many players are being held out at other school spring practices. But I do think the point you make there is one of the reasons why it's hard to get excited about the spring game. A lot of guys are out. And then a lot of guys that do things in the spring game – that doesn't necessarily translate immediately, certainly, into the fall, like a George Campbell who had a huge uh, welcome to Florida State with a big touchdown in the spring game a few years ago, and we've been waiting for him to show up on Saturday. So how much stock do you put in what you see on Saturday at the spring game? Well, it's, it's difficult, I, and I think you almost have to take it on a case-by-case basis. You know, the sort of the, the age-old cliche is like, oh, I'm really excited because the offense did really well. Oh, but does that, does that mean your defense isn't doing well? And same thing the other way. If, if your defense is, is really uh, really having a great game, maybe your offense is struggling. So it can be pretty tough to tell. So, uh, you know, to me, I, I like more at individual guys. And, and as usual, in my eyes, the most exciting part of the spring game is seeing the new players and some of the early enrollees. I'm, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Cam Akers. I'm looking forward to seeing Josh Tain, though. I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing Bailey Hockman, the freshman quarterback, uh, who's a left-handed quarterback. I haven't seen one of those around here uh too often in recent years. So, uh, you know, I see how those guys look. Uh, you know, to watch Cam Akers run against uh, potentially a first-team 
defensive line on Saturday, I think would be uh, be pretty exciting to see uh, what what he looks like. Uh, from, from all indications we've been able to gather, he's he's looks just fantastic uh so you know to, to me it, it's it's the the new guys the new recruits the the early enrollees i think to jump out more than anything and that's probably my takeaway is you can get, you can get a gauge i think of whether or not a player belongs at, at this stage in his career whether or not that you know he's a uh, a, a college football player and, and you know well continuing that thought and then changing it you're interested in seeing the young guys me a little bit but i'm i'm interested in seeing quote unquote the old guys and two guys in particular uh derwin james and uh francois uh derwin obviously missed uh, almost all of last year with that knee uh, by all accounts he's participated in everything in the spring is he who we remember him to be because you know when you're out of out of your sight your memory tends to make you a heisman trophy winner and then francois what what improvement has he made from year one to year two uh your thoughts on those two guys i agree especially uh when you mentioned deandre francois uh want to see again you want to see a improvement from year one to year two it feels like he's been here such a long time that it's hard to for, or hard to remember excuse me that he's only a redshirt freshman or maybe a redshirt sophomore was a redshirt freshman earlier this year and uh, he's still pretty young in his development pretty new in, in what he's doing so yeah i'm curious to see what kind of strides he's made uh and it's kind of hard to get a, a clear answer of, on what kind of strides he needs to make uh but i think one of the big things is getting used to at least for this spring a new offensive line uh, and also new receivers. Don't forget, you know, his top three receivers from a year ago, four if you include Dalvin Cook, are all gone. So you're, you're leaning a lot on uh, the likes of Nyquan Murray and Auden Tate, and up to uh, up until a couple weeks ago, Keith Gavin. So uh, yeah, you want to see him. Uh, I think maybe be uh, a little more uh, sharp in his decision making. The kind of things you'd like to see a second year quarterback sort of takes take strides in. And then as far as Derwin James, uh, you know, he's a player that I, it's kind of hard to describe. But you just feel his presence. Uh, on the practice fields, you can tell when he's out there. You can tell the, when when he's making plays and, and sort of just, you know hear guys talk about him. Um, even just in the the post practice interviews, from everything we've been able to gather, he's he's 100. percent He's good to go. Uh, was we was wanting to go, you know, toward the end of last season, uh, as as players like that are, are want to do. So uh, I'm curious to see what exactly he does on Saturday. I I, I suspect he's probably going to want to uh, you know put on a show the way that that, that players' visibility can and. You also don't want him uh, you know, teeing off on a receiver going over the middle. So uh, we'll see how that balance uh, shakes itself out. But, but seeing Derwin James out there in a, in a full uniform and a helmet will certainly be a welcome sight no matter what the circumstances of the game are. What segment are you most interested in and what are you looking for from that segment when Saturday rolls around? Probably most interesting to me is, is the offensive line. And unfortunately, I don't know that they're going to be in position to, to show much that that will uh, will define this fall, but you know you you lost Kareem R, you lost Roderick Johnson, uh, your center Alec Eberly is out, uh, Landon Dickerson, who was your starting right guard by the middle of last season, is still out with a knee injury. So really, your only returning offensive lineman from a year ago is your right tackle, like Rick Leonard, uh, and he was you know one of the most inexperienced guys uh, on last year's team, and all of a sudden he's the the veteran. So seeing some of those new guys step up. Uh, we've heard a lot about Babyon Johnson, the center. Uh, he's lost a lot of weight from last year, and uh, I think they, they really like what he's doing. Uh, Josh Ball, it sounds like, has done really well at uh, at left tackle. Uh, and it's just a matter of, you know, if are those guys who are, are playing now and aren't hurt, you know, are, are, is, is the spring enough to, to catapult them into potentially into starting roles uh, or at least give them a leg up on the guys who are not able to play uh, in this spring? And so, you know, that's, that's kind of the question for me is to see how they look because we know Florida State's defensive line 
uh, between Derek Naughty and Demarcus Christmas is, is really talented. And so if those guys are able to hold their own against the, the Florida State's defensive front, uh, you know, that could be a pretty good sign of things to come. Tim, I don't want to make this rapid fire, but I do want your opinion on a handful of different players. You've mentioned some of them. First of all, are you hearing the same buzz about Cam Akers that seems to be working his way around, that this guy's every bit as good as advertised and maybe going to be the starting tailback? I really think so. We'll see about the, the starting thing. I, you know, what I really kind of expect, and, and you know, ask me again this time next week, at when we, we've seen the spring game, it might be a different answer. But I do think you're going to see Florida State kind of move back toward what we saw in the pre-Dalvin Cook era, which is you know a pretty healthy rotation with maybe one guy getting the majority, but but everybody getting uh, a good amount of carries in there with uh, with Jacques Patrick and also Amir Rasul. Uh, they really like what he does as well. But uh, your question is about Cam Akers, and the answer for me is yes. I mean, he just looks fantastic. You see him walking around campus. I mean, he looks like he's been in college for two or three years, and what we've been able to gather out on the practice fields, he's big, he's strong. I think he's probably maybe even a little bit more physically developed than Dalvin was at this stage in uh, in Dalvin's career, which I remember he was an early enrollee as well. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not making that comparison, you know, as anything other than that, just in terms of looking like a college football player, he definitely looks the part, um, you know, strong, but also really quick in his cuts. Uh, he's probably the number one guy I think I'm most excited to see on Saturday, and I suspect that, uh, that I share that sentiment with a lot of Florida State fans. At the quarterback position, Bailey Hockman has gotten a lot of buzz as as being pretty solid, and there's even conjecture that he's going to end up being the number two guy uh, this year. I don't know if that speaks more to him or if it speaks more to J.J., uh, but what what have you heard on that front? Uh, you know, he's actually come up uh, in the post-practice interviews with Jimbo Fisher maybe a lot more than I expected him to. Uh, it sounds like they really, really like him. He is a coach's son from Georgia. Uh, so it sounds like he's been really good as far as picking up the playbook, understanding what is being asked of him uh, offensively. He's a left-handed quarterback, which is kind of interesting. I don't know, Keith, you might know this. The last time Florida State played a left-handed quarterback, I, it's been a long time. I know that. Uh, we'll see as far as the, the place on the depth chart. I kind of think it might depend on the situation. You know, if it's a, a situation where DeAndre Francois is out for a couple plays, Maybe they go one direction. It's a situation where, and obviously you don't want this, but a, a, a longer-term situation, maybe Bailey Hockman could could work his way into in, into that discussion. But for me, it's hard to imagine a, a true freshman coming in and unseating uh, JJ Cosentino, who at this point is a redshirt junior. I mean, he's got essentially four years uh, of experience on him, four years of learning the offense and, and understanding the system. Uh, I understand that you know people are excited about the new guy, and I think believe me, he he I, I think has exceeded expectations through the first few weeks. Uh, this spring, but again, it's it's really tough for, in my mind for a, a guy who should be by all rights, you know, preparing for spring break or his prom to, to come in and and, uh, and move past a guy in his fourth year in the program on the depth chart. At least not this early in his career. Tim, Tommy, uh, you you raised the question, Tim. I I don't remember a left-handed quarterback at Florida State. Yeah, I know uh, Will Secord, if you remember him, was on the roster a few years ago. Yeah, he, was he uh, from Aquinas? Was that the kid from uh, – He was from uh, – gosh. Anyway. I, think he, I can't remember if he's from America, started transfer to Arkansas. Anyway, but uh, but I, I can't remember. Certainly the last time they started the left-handed quarterback. Uh, so kind of interesting. Yep. All right, so one more. Now, now, in Cam Akers, I know he's been returning kicks. Did I did I see that, that Derwin has returned some punts or kicks too, or is that complete hallucination for me? No, no, no. He's been getting some work back there. Okay, so uh, here, here here's the bigger question then. Uh, we're coming off a game where you played Michigan and Jabril Peppers, who was in the Heisman conversation because he played 92 positions. Derwin James is that kind of athlete, and there's been he's played some corner during spring. Obviously, he's going to be a safety. I mean, he could play the star. They got him returning kicks. 
Is it out of the realm of possibility that he could catch some passes for FSU? Or is oh, that no, just that's a, that's a curveball thro- thrown by thrown by Cam Akers? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're just taking the shotgun <laughs> approach here. We, we already we already suggested that Cam could throw the ball, and so if that ever happens, we're going to claim that that idea originated on the front row. So now we're going to do the same thing with Derwin. If it's no, but more seriously. Uh, you know, fans always worry that you take a guy like that. And now you open him up to maybe more injury if he's returning kicks or whatever. But the the flip side is, if you got a generational talent, you need to get him to affect the game as many ways as possible. So, what do you think they could do with Derwin? Well, I I definitely think the returning kicks is absolutely a possibility, and Jimbo Fisher's track record suggests as much. Remember, he had Jalen Ramsey back there a couple of years ago, and Joiner uh, did it. Yeah, yeah, Joiner, Rashad Green. You know, there's a they, they, they haven't had any problem with that. Uh, as far as seeing them line up on offense, I mean, uh, I, I don't know that you can rule it out. That, that hasn't really been part of Jimbo Fisher's M.O. up to this point. I think in his first year, he gave Greg Reed a couple offensive snaps early in that first year, and that was about it. So I'd be surprised if that happened. But then again, you know, I, I think, like you said, Derwin is such a uh, an unbelievable talent. And, uh, you know, just about any any field he's on in, in any uh, capacity, he's probably the best player on that field or among the most athletic. So, uh, you know, who knows? And, and given Florida State's uh, you know, situation at receiver with all the injuries, I mean, hey, well, why not give it a try? But uh, but in, but it, I also think that the special teams is where you're more likely to see that. And, and special teams, you know, were, were such an adventure last year. And you really kind of get the sense that, that, that Jimbo Fisher, being such a detail-oriented guy, to, to, to have special teams not be reliable, I think really bothers him. So he's going to do whatever he can to shore that up. And if that means like I said, putting Derwin James back there uh, and letting him handle things, uh, I think that's exactly what he'll do. Let's kill all the birds with one stone. We'll line James up in the slot. Cam Akers at the quarterback position. We'll run a Akers flank to the left, toss back to the wide receiver, coming back around. Then toss to Derwin, let Derwin stop, Akers goes down the field, and Derwin doesn't catch the ball, but he throws the ball to Cam Akers, who doesn't throw the ball but catches the ball. And then we've got the reverse, we've got the double reverse, we've got the halfback pass, and we've got the quarterback in a route all in one play. Oh, my. Did you draw that in the dirt right now? You know what this reminds me of as, as FSU fans now? No, Coach Bowden. Because, you know, Jimbo hadn't run any of those, or very few of them. Coach Patton's lived in the same house forever, and he used to comment that, you know, especially after the results went wrong, he'd, he'd go out to get the mail or the paper, and people would have diagrams of plays. That Stuck in his mailbox, running. yeah. That's what Keith just did right on the air. All right, well, well, one other, as we let you go, Tim, one place that we will see more of Derwin, I would think, and we really haven't seen a ton of it because he got hurt last year, but remember in that dime rabbit package, he's a pass rusher too. And we saw that a little bit two years ago his freshman year, but I know they intended to use that a ton last year, and then he just got hurt before we saw him that role. So even if he doesn't go to offense, you're going to see a guy that's going to be all over the field defensively. Well, I agree completely. I think, you know, you could argue that by the end of his freshman year, he was their best pass rusher, and Demarcus Walker emerged in the way he did in 2016. You know, certainly mitigated that loss. But you know, when you talk about how Florida State going to replace Demarcus Walker, I don't know they'll, they'll replace him from a physical standpoint or a presence standpoint. But in terms of just sheer production, uh, getting Derwin James back and, and moving him to the edge and, and letting him rush the passer the way he did so effectively two years ago, I think that's definitely part of the plan. He is our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, thanks as always. We'll catch you on Saturday. You got it, Tom. Thank you. All righty, we will uh, continue our spring football conversation when we continue on the front row right after this.
The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row. Great job by Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, as always. Check out uh, the material that Tim provides for Seminoles.com. Online at Seminoles.com. Anything jump out about what he said? Well, just that, uh, you know, I think the tendency appropriately is going in is to look at certain things. Is, is Derwin as good and back to his, is the way he was? What, what improvement has uh, DeAndre made? Which receiver uh, is going to have a breakout? 15 minutes or so that make you get excited about next fall. What's that offensive line look like? I think we need to maybe set a little bit of an expectation in two reasons. Number one, I don't think the offensive line is going to look good at all on Saturday uh, for the reasons you mentioned yeah, about Tim people just- being out. And the defensive line hasn't had the injuries. Um, and you, you're probably looking at some well, except of Naughty. Naughty has been hurt. But. Well, but but Naughty's always hurt, and he can still play at a very high level. So if he's just out there, he becomes right. a dominant force. I mean, that that's in my opinion how good he has become and will continue to be. Uh, so I, I think there's a chance that the defense is going to dominate the offense, and, and that'll leave people raising offensive questions. The other thing we didn't ask well, him about a, it. It's always that way when you when, when you when your team plays your team. You, you you walk away as a fan much happier if the offense scored forty eight touchdowns, even though that should be a concern for the defense. Then you do walk away. What do you win championships if, with? If the defense had ten interceptions, what do you win? What do you win yeah. championships with? Defense. You got to sell popcorn, though. I understand. I, I get it. The other thing that I, we didn't ask him about that I'm always interested in, in, in is how does Jimbo uh, do the practice? Because uh, it is a practice. We're calling it a game, but it's actually a practice. Is it going to be situational? Uh, are they going to let him play? Normally, you don't have live kickoffs or punts. You know what? What are the? What's the framework? Because that lends itself for someone like me that's a tactician and, and looking at the X's and O's. I love the situational stuff. The average fan, I would think, would much prefer a true game right. with the opportunity for the big plays, especially special teams plays. So uh, that hasn't been announced yet. I'm sure the coaches will put all that together in uh, Thursday and Friday as they get ready for Saturday. But uh, it would be interesting to see how it uh, it works its way out. What do you think? Derwin is Jabril Peppers? <sighs> you know – Jimbo has not had a track record. No, no, no not no, at all. But I'm just throwing it out but, there. Um, you know, he he is of such significance. I know this. Uh, with my relationship with Charles Kelly, because he and I have had this conversation a, a couple of different times. Do you take a player that is truly a generational player and do exotic things with him? Is that a sign of weakness that your defense is overall not as good as it or, needs to or be? Or a sign of smartness? <laughs> or is it a sign of, of, of exactly that? Yeah. And balancing that, you know what you ask that kid to do is also a difficult uh, and slippery slope because if you go dime rabbit every time it's third and eight then you also tendency yourself and offenses can prepare for that but if sometimes he's rushing and sometimes he's not but then they- you make him take another 3 or 4 seconds to identify where he is gets them a little bit more out of sync and and how does that chess game go becomes the conversation 
All right, let's shift gears. We will get back to spring football. Jacob Pugh is going to join us uh, in our next segment, and so we'll talk with uh, the Seminole senior from here, who's uh, from here in Tallahassee, get his thoughts on how spring has gone. But uh, we got a bunch of other topics I want to discuss. First of all, the national championship game the other night. We probably can't. I'm sorry, do- where's my whistle? We probably can't do this justice. Yeah, if we had a whistle sound effect, just blow it every twenty seconds. So. Uh, there were a lot of fouls called, 27 in the second half. North Carolina wins it. Congratulations to the Tar Heels. A lot of activity on social media complaining about how the, all the foul calls. Uh, had a conversation with Stan Jones today. Coaches, not surprisingly, are in favor of, if it's a foul, call the foul, because they coach their players a certain way. So what drives them crazy is... Is they, what's a foul the first half of the season right. is different than what's a foul the second half of the season, particularly when you get into the tournament. That... I think, is what drive everybody nuts. I think the biggest point Stan brought out in regard to Monday's game is that, A, you've got a bunch of media who haven't watched college basketball all year long that now are opining about what they're seeing there. B, uh, a lot of times we we, uh, generalize things. We don't take into account that that's one of the first games this year where you've had a guy like Meeks going against the big Polish kid, two seven-footers that are, I mean, teams that are that skilled in the post. And determined to get the ball in the paint. And, and North Carolina with its rebounding prowess. Point is, you're going to have more fouls in games like that. I don't want to get into that. Uh, you know, there, there are different ways to attack this. We could have less points of emphasis. What Stan doesn't want is an overreaction, and the rules committee comes back and says, oh, let's add A, B, and C to it, and now you got all these other things. But you do have an interesting point because you've asked me about it before. Yeah, well, here's where I wanted to go. So the women's game switched a couple of years ago to four quarters instead of two halves. Uh, and if you look at the sport of basketball, and if you're, my kids pl- just played I-9, Pop Warner or whatever it's called, any level, high school, you get to pros, you get international, you get Olympics. Everybody plays four quarters, except for men's college basketball. Which plays two halves. Right. Now, I'm not suggesting you change for the sake of change, uh, although you could make that argument since that's what they're going to play professionally. Why not play quarters now? And the women played two 20-minute halves up until two years ago or last year two years ago i think so here's here's the crux of it as it relates to the fouls what the women do now is instead of in the seventh foul it's one and one tenth foul it's two shots the rest of the way they reset the clock uh, or reset the foul count so you get five fouls per quarter there's no one and one on the fifth team foul the other team is shooting two but that happens with two minutes to go in the first quarter and you're not stuck with it the rest of the half because as soon as the second quarter starts it starts over, and it allows for a natural correction for the refs. If they got a little too whistle-happy in the first quarter, they can swallow the whistle for a little bit in the second quarter. Now, that might not make Stan happy because if it's a foul, he wants a foul called. The other thing it does from a, from a game flow standpoint, if I did the math right, in a men's game between TV timeouts and called timeouts, you can get 17 timeouts per game. 17 breaks in action. The way the women are now uh, – even counting for the between the first and second, the third and fourth, you get 15 stoppages. So you, it allows for two, two fewer stoppages, better game flow, and you can make up the TV inventory if you're thinking on the revenue side by extending the quarter breaks or whatever so you don't lose it there. Uh, and one other point for it, and I'm really making a strong case for it, I'm not convinced it's the best answer, but you also get instead of two end-of-half situations, you get four end-of-quarter situations, which means that teams 
have to practice end game situations more, so they get a little bit better at it. And from a fan standpoint, it adds a little more interest because you've got, oh, 10 seconds left, can you hit a buzzer beater? So that's the case for. The case against is that I think the data so far suggests that really it hasn't reduced the number of fouls that much in the women's game from when they played two halves. But it reduces the times at the foul line. It reduces the time at the foul line. That's the issue. The other thing that the foul situation does is it disrupts the flow of the game. Look at the shooting percentage for both Gonzaga and North Carolina with all the stoppages in play. Basketball, more so than any other team sport, is a rhythm sport. You get into a rhythm and you get into running your flow and your motion offense and getting out in transition. And a transition bucket has a higher percentage of going in than a half-court set bucket. And when you stop that rhythm, you keep that flow from going, your shooting percentages go down. Just like in arena football, we go because we like to see the scoring. Basketball people want to see games in the 80. They don't want to see games in the 60s. Right. What I was going to add, and we don't have time to attack this right now, but the shooting percentage in a stage like the other night may have to do with playing in a 77,000 seat arena and instead of playing in a basketball arena. But I don't disagree with, with all the stoppages affecting that as well. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. The, the NCAA men's basketball committee has considered this. I think the conversation will grow based on the other night. Uh, and again, that's not a reason to make a change, but I do think it's worth exploring. Is this is this a way to solve some of it? Because it's it's frustrating to coaches, it's frustrating to players, it's certainly frustrating to fans if you have a first half with eight fouls and a second half with 27, which, which those weren't the numbers the other night. But the point being, if you have a big disparity. Well, the number that came out to me is one of the teams had, was it two more fouls than made buckets or, or something like that? That's not a very fun basketball game to watch. That said, the ACC wins the championship. Yes, and even though this was a dismal postseason for the ACC, from a share standpoint, which is based on the number of units, they still got as many units as every other conference. In other words, no conference got more units than what the ACC did. I think three conferences were tied for the most, so it was a terrible year for the ACC. They still were at the top in terms of units, and they won the national title. Plus, the way those units work, you actually go back two you or do. three years. You do. It's over six years. Yeah, it's over a six-year run. Yeah. And so what, what actually happened is they've continued the good run of units that translate into dollars for the ACC member schools. And I know it was all on the backs of North Carolina, but the SEC has had Alabama carrying its water for a while now. So what comes around goes around, right? Speak. I, that was a football segue. So we'll go back to football with Jacob Pugh, uh, who will join us. Uh, what does he think about Alabama, I wonder? Uh, well, we'll ask him about that. I also will uh, mention that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. Jacob Pugh visits with us next on the front row. It was a beautiful day. Sun beat down. I had the radio on. I was driving. Trees went back. The front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
Welcome back to the front row. Tom and KJ with you. The Garnet and Gold Spring football game coming up this Saturday at Doe Campbell Stadium. Uh, tickets available. There's a $5 general admission charge if you want to test drive the Champions Club. Uh, that opportunity is there for $50. And uh, if you want to learn more about the football team, all you need to do is keep listening right now because Jacob Pugh is kind enough to join us. He is a, a local product from Godby High School and has been on the football team for several years now. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. How you doing? Doing great. You know, we talk a lot in this Jimbo Fisher era, or he talks about the process, and mm-hmm. you got to enjoy the process. Well, spring football to me feels like process because there's not a game against another opponent coming up this Saturday. So I'm curious, uh, for you, is this part fun? Is it work? What's it been like? And you obviously have been on campus for several years now. I mean, it's fun and it's work at the same time. We're getting better, you know what I'm saying, every day. Coach, Coach Fisher scratched, scratched to us a lot about, you know what I'm saying, being consistent and and, and wanting to work and wanting to get better and, and not having a, a bad attitude toward coming out and, and putting in work. So, I mean, it, it's, it's fun and, it, and, it, and it's fun to, to do stuff as a team, you know what I'm saying, and, and see us come together as a team and see us, you know what I'm saying, just execute what we've been taught, you know what I'm saying? We've been there. We've been we've been here for a long time now. So, I mean it's we got a lot of vets on the on the defense side of the ball, so I mean it shouldn't I mean, oh, there, yeah, there's a lot of reason to be excited on the defensive side of the ball with everything mm-hmm. that returns. Uh, you know, we are not at practice. Obviously, fans aren't there. Uh, we know that a lot of guys are out. Either they got nicked up during spring or they had off-season surgery or whatnot. Yeah. But there seems to be conversation that maybe this spring is more physical than what it's been previously. Is that true? Is there more hitting and contact going on, or does it just feel like uh, spring practice to you it normally does? I mean, Florida State been physical. I mean, we've been physical, been hitting, you know what I'm saying, and and like like you said, there's a lot of contact going on. There's a lot of there's a lot of the, the young bucks coming in, showing what they can do. And we just we playing like we playing good. I feel like I feel real I feel real good about this year. So, Jacob KJ here. You uh, you finished up last year with four and a half sacks. You obviously saw what Demarcus was able to do, and as he goes on in his career, uh, when you look at the front and and you look at the you, the linebacker groups that uh, have the opportunity to rush the passer. You lead the nation in sacks last year. Is that something that you can repeat uh, come the 2017 season, even though uh, Walker's out? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Coach, just like Coach talked to Marcus out of, you know what I'm saying, pass rushing and, and taught him all his finesse moves. I mean, we got, we got, we got, we got some, we got some great pass rushers behind him, like Brian Burns, Josh Sweat, um, a lot of them, uh, uh, uh Kane Doe. We got a lot of freshmen that you know what I'm saying. That I feel like Coach Long gonna, gonna perfect their craft. You know what I'm saying, and and, and do what he did to Marcus. I mean, because he he taught Demarcus some stuff, and, and look where it got him. You mentioned Kane though, and and previously you used the phrase "young bucks." Is he one that uh, is is he one of the young bucks that has caught your eye, and 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 who else has? I mean, it's, I mean, like the whole freshman, the whole incoming, the whole incoming tribe seventeen, or they tribe seventeen, the whole autumn boy. I mean. I, I like them because they came in, they came in, you know what I'm saying, ready to work, and they came in, you know what I'm saying, making plays, and a lot of them flashed at me in the spring. So, I mean, I felt like, but I knew I knew that a lot of them was going to be good before I, before they even started playing. Sometimes you hear uh, coaches talk as the season goes on that if you're opening with a team like Alabama as compared to directional school, 
mm-hmm. that the focus during the off season is more intense and maybe where it should be at all times in a perfect world. Do you get the sense that because Alabama is first up that people are minding their P's and Q's a little bit more and taking things? No, nah, nah, we're doing us. We're still doing us. We ain't even – that's way in September. We ain't even worried about that. We focus on us right now. You know what I'm saying? We focus on getting better, doing what we got to do every day, getting stronger, you know what I'm saying, eating right, taking care of our bodies. And, and trying to trying to remain healthy, you know what I'm saying? When the season comes, we'll take care of that when that comes. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, we ain't worried about that right now. We just, like Kofi said, focus on what's at hand right now. So. Jacob, you're headed into your, your senior year, last go-around, uh, wearing mm-hmm. that garnet and gold. Uh, what are your expectations for the year? What What are some of the things that you individually have worked on, and what do you want to accomplish in 2017? Well, I, I want to get better as a person, and – I want to, you know, so I want to, I want to graduate. Obviously, I want to get my degree, and I want to. Everybody want to win a national championship, but like you said, we just that's why we that's why we that's why we go to work every day and we do what we do. You know what I'm saying? So when the season comes, it'll be easy to us. You know what I'm saying? We just play. We ain't got no worries. So that's just I want to, and me personally, like you said, I just want to, I just want to get better, and I want to, want to win me a title because. When you talk, when you talk about getting better on the field, what what are some specific areas where you think you need to get better, or maybe it's get heavier, or get lighter, or this technique? Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta put on some weight, you know what I'm saying, and get a little stronger, you know what I'm saying, so I can so I can maintain what I do. And they got me, they got me, put me down at at the, the defensive end spot, you know what I'm saying, on third down. So I just want to get stronger, so and work on and work on. I gotta work on a little bit more pass work. I kind of got away from that a little bit, you know what I'm saying. When they moved me to linebacker, I was more, more so focused on the coverages, you know what I'm saying, and and, and guarding routes. So I just want to get better, and that's why I go to practice every day to get better and, and work. We're talking with Jacob Pugh, and uh, earlier uh, in the show, we were uh, bigger picture talking about the defense as a whole and Derwin James. Uh, I guess Derwin is the unquestioned leader, and, and he's going to be part of that pass rush, I would imagine, in your dime rabbit package again, as he was before he got hurt. But but how's he look, and, and is he the sort of the coach on the field now that he's back out there? I mean, Derwin is Derwin. I mean, he's going to do his job, and he and he, he going to make you right. You know what I'm saying? He, I mean, he's going to make you right. I mean, he all over the field. I mean, he like you said, sometimes he, he got to tell us what to do sometimes. I mean, he, he, can, he, can, he can lead the team. He can be, he'll be a great leader, but he just, he just, he Derwin James. I mean, <laughs> and you you know who Derwin James is, you know what I'm saying, just by watching Florida State football. So, but we're gonna be all right. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a great season, and I feel like we got a chance this year. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way, especially with the defense, uh, you know, and the way you guys finished up. As you reflect back on last year. Obviously, defensively in particular, the first half of the season uh, was not anywhere close to what you wanted it to be, nor was it close to how you guys finished the season. Uh, how do you ensure that you you know you you pick up where you left off, so to speak, against Michigan and just build from there? I mean, it's attitude. I mean, we got tired of getting beat. We got tired of getting embarrassed. Coach Fisher put his foot down. He was just like he ain't having it no more. And from 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 that point on, we just. We start doing what we can do, and we knew we were capable of beating anybody, no matter who you line up line up up against. We were gonna beat anybody. So, I mean, we just—it was an attitude, it was like a mindset thing. And a lot of people weren't really in it. Well, I wouldn't say they wasn't in it. A lot of people just—they just ain't know how good we was. You know what I'm saying? And but now, now we see. You know what I'm saying? We 
we were more, we was a much better team at the last the, the last half of the season than we were the first half. So, I mean, yeah, no, we, we got we, they, it's in us. We just got to get it up out of us. Makes sense, Jacob. Uh, continued uh, success to you at Florida State. I know it goes fast. You're getting ready for your senior year, so have fun yes, Saturday sir. and as you finish up spring and and best of luck this coming season. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, sir. All righty, that is uh, Jacob Pugh from Godby High School. Uh, interesting because he has sort of had two dual roles. He's been a passer. I remember one of the first plays he made, KJ, was in that Notre Dame game. He had the interception at the end of the game uh, following the pick play. If you recall, there was a controversial uh, I don't recall. ending. No. I choose not to recall. It, well, was, not, it was not controversial. Well, there was a foul. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's the Florida State perspective on There things. you go. But So he had the pick then, but uh, yeah, he sort of changed roles a little bit at that at that buck position. Uh, and it, to me, it's also interesting that when we talk about Florida State having a great front and all the guys that come back, I, I don't feel like Pew's name gets mentioned as much. We talk about Noddy and we talk about Brian Burns and Josh Sweat, and it's like, oh, yeah, Jacob Pugh's been here a while, too. Yeah, he had 43 tackles last year, six tackles for loss, including four and a half sacks. Know that because I looked it up. The other thing I looked up that I think our fans and listeners might be interested in that is just interesting to me is that uh, we talk about him being from Godby, but he's, he's actually from Jefferson County. And as a freshman in Jefferson County, he led uh, Jefferson County to the one double one A one single A state championship, and then transfers into Godby, a little larger school, and now at Florida State on the national perspective. But he's uh, kind of a little country boy. Uh, reminds me of someone else, maybe thirty five, forty years ago, that came from nowhere. Uh, probably won't have the success few has because I think he's going to be a, a great player this his senior year. But reminds me of uh, other small places that people can come from. Perhaps Wildwood. Perhaps. Are we going to make it a point to incorporate Wildwood into every edition of this show? Only as long that's as, like, only that as, like long as there's a role. Row, three weeks in a as row? As long as there's a role that's a head coach at that you said, uh, school, yes, we All might right. do that. We've got a lot more to talk about uh, beyond football, and Keith and I will do that when we roll on. Roll on on the front row. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row, one segment to go. Thanks to Tim Linnefelt and Jacob Pugh. Don't forget the spring football game Saturday at 3. Don't Check forget, out the champions seats. You can check out the seats at the Dunlap Champions Club. We've told you about that. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast of the front row uh, via iTunes. Uh, and thanks to the Champions Club for sponsoring that. Also, you can, uh, or if you don't want to subscribe, you can just visit the website and find it in the uh, audio vault in the drop-down menu. All right, let's talk baseball real quick. First of all, FSU baseball. Uh, snapped a skid last night, got back on track uh, with a walk-off win, 7-6 to six, over Florida Gulf Coast University. But the bigger point here is it was, it was, I think, game 30 of the year. It was the first game this year that Florida State has had everybody in the lineup they thought they would have at the start of the season, which is to say Drew Mendoza's back. Now, he played first yesterday. I think ultimately he'll go to third and Busby will go to first. Mendoza's not hitting a lick right now. He got his first career hit last night. But he's like one for 13 or 14 because he hasn't had any reps. But I think the ceiling 
uh, is higher than the roof in his case because uh, or the roof is higher than the ceiling. I, it, we'll call Michael Jordan and ask him what yeah, what, what happens. Anyway, there's no reason to be alarmed about Mendoza. He just hasn't had the reps. But but maybe getting all the bodies back will start a run in the right direction for. Is Florida there State. any legitimacy? Is there any? Is this a gross ra- uh, rationalization to compare Florida State's baseball season in 2017 to Florida State's defense on the football field in 2016? Well, we'll have to see if they finish the second half of the season as well as the football team did. Because there is there is that argument to be no, made. No, I do think it's it, it's not – if you look at the baseball season, it, it, Mendoza's been out the whole year, but it's been Mendoza and at least one other player pretty much all season. Jackson Luke was out for a while. Dylan Busby's been out. Neoporti was hurt. I mean, it's been uh, – Taylor Walls was suspended, which that's a different thing. He's back now. So they've really been down two guys about every time they've played a key game. And they're two pretty key guys. It's not like it's your number seven and number eight hole hitters that have been missing. It's your best hitters. And I would also suggest that one of the things that's also unique about baseball is that you probably would trade a few wins in January or February to be hot in May or June when region and super region well, and, and I think that is why around. there's still reason for some optimism. There is talent on this team. If they can get it together, there's enough season left. All right, we, we don't have time to do full justice to this, but last night Florida and Stetson were playing baseball in Gainesville, and Stetson was winning 10-1 in the top of the fifth inning. That's 10-1. to So they were crushing the Gators. Rain came uh, in the middle of the fifth, right? Uh, sometime the fifth. in the fifth inning. All they had to do was get through the fifth inning to make it a complete game that stands. Bottom line, they didn't finish the game. Uh, they're not rescheduling it, so it's as if it never happened. So go to the Stetson Athletic site and read this article. The headline is, Gators call no moss, refuse to answer bell after rain delay. Then it goes into all the details here. With two available open dates for the teams to resume the game, Florida also balked, saying those dates, May 10th and May 16th, were too close to the SEC tournament for them to be able so to play. So two separate makeup dates on Tuesdays. All right, so uh, I'm just skimming parts of this article. I, I, when did they get the tarp on the field? That's where the game was halted in the fifth inning. The players were cleared from the field, but the Florida grounds crew did not immediately roll the tarp out. It was not until rain started falling heavily that the crew started to move the tarp. With the help of the Stetson coaches, the tarp, with the help of the Stetson coaches, the tarp was deployed at 840, 25 minutes into the delay. And how long was the delay? I, I, it, uh, I don't know. But at 955, Florida announced the game would not be resumed. No makeup would be scheduled. At that point, the rain was no longer falling. Now, there was no rain at 9. Read, read the 45. story. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is uh, the Stetson. It's classic to see Stetson. Go. Stetson was on the verge of a huge win. They wanted it. They didn't get it. They took to social media. They wrote this article about it. Um, here's the thing, and I don't know that I've often defended Florida, but teams, uh, th- there's a reason that the NCAA rule book is 12,000 pages, and it's because if you didn't put that page in there, teams would still do it and what happens in college baseball especially at the non-conference level is teams get to set their own rules and so florida doesn't want to make the game up they don't have to the optics are terrible about it they're not the only team that's done it if if florida state was losing 10-1 to florida gulf coast in a similar situation i don't know how hard they'd work at it isolated case though oh i don't know but florida fsu football in 2016 isolated florida lsu lsu i'm sorry florida lsu football Well, that is the optics of Hmm. it for as it relates to the gators Hmm. but again we can chew on this 
further at another time. But do yourself a favor and Google the article on the Stetson Athletics website and just Ricky 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 Hazel wrote it. Who's their SID? For it's baseball. very entertaining. And just read the article. It's the game summary from Florida Stetson baseball last night. All right, we're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again next week on the front row. 